Welcome to Movie Classics on this wonderful Saturday. I'm Tall Hat Larry, and I'm in the studio with Smile When You Say That, Mr. David Riggle. And we're going to talk about Westerns today. And David, what do you figure is your favorite Western, or what do you like about them? Oh, my favorite Western. I was just looking over John Wayne's career in getting ready for this broadcast, and I'm amazed at what an influence that guy had on our culture, on our sense of who we are. And so as I was growing up, the influence of the Marlboro Man was everywhere. It was on our stock car races. It was on our billboards. There are probably people that don't know what a Marlboro Man is. It was in our magazines and TV. It was, every, the, every, every, it was just everywhere. everywhere. And so I don't know if I have a favorite Western, but I have to understand what Westerns were. And what and, and uh, I just recently rewatched uh, The Sons of Katie Elder. And it was a drama about how the West uh, took away a woman's sons uh, as, as, as if it was a, uh, the, the, the line was, Texas is a woman and stole my sons. You know, uh, so uh, the influence of that whole event that, that of us conquering the West has been important to our culture for, you know, forever from the beginning. Um, but also it was controlling land. And so I think the drama that you see in Westerns is this idea of, of how do we possess something, right? Uh, and, which is a drama in everybody's life. Right. And, uh, you and I grew up and, you know, Westerns, Westerns aren't too popular. Now the last Western that was really done that was popular was in 1992. And that was unforgiven with Clint Eastwood and uh, Gene Hackman. Being a really remarkably bad guy. Yeah. Uh, but he was the anti-hero. And, right. And uh, when I look at that, I see it, certainly it was set in the West, but it was, in my reading of that, uh, it was the Civil War's effect on the country. Remember, he was, he, he, everything that had happened to him was based on the fact that he was in a very dehumanizing experience. Right. And, and so he was not a, he wasn't a John Wayne at all. Uh, that Clint Eastwood character in Unforgiven. Right, right. Uh, he had lost everything and had been calloused to the point where, you know, he what the, he was famous for shooting anything, killing anything, yeah, and it, just right. And when you and you when you look at westerns, you know, uh, kids today, you know, and I don't want to get into the political aspects of the westward expansion, but when we were kids, one of the things we played all the time was cowboys and Indians. Oh yes. You know, yeah, and <laughs> and you always wanted to be a cowboy if you could be. I that, mean, that's right. Yeah, the because um, yeah, why be on the losing side? Right, and um, that's what they that's what they did in all these westerns. When you looked at, as we were speaking earlier today, when you look at the idea of manifest destiny and mm -hmm. spreading west of the Mississippi, and the Louisiana Purchase, and when we when we took got all that land of which the Louisiana Purchase, we purchased that 
land from France when it wasn't theirs to sell. No, they didn't. Yeah, exactly. We didn't get we didn't get a title with that. Right, right. We didn't get a title uh, with that land. And and, uh, and yet and yet it was. Um, you know, there wouldn't have been a cowboy if there wasn't a Chicago stock market. Right. Right? I right. mean, to think of the connections that you have to make. Uh, there wouldn't have been a cowboy if there wasn't a European uh, immigration to the United States. Because a given population could have supported itself in Ohio. Right? Sure. We, we were doing just, you know, so as a market grows, you end up with, you know, things that are put in place. And so what the heck, do, why do we need a cattle drive to anything? Right. And one of the things that, that cowboys did back then, that's, that's where the name came from, a cowboy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They were managing cattle. Yeah. Well, and when you looked at the West, in the Midwest or in the East or the South or whatever, a cow, an acre of land, of grassland, might have supported, I, I don't know, I'm not a cow no, farmer, but no, might, have supported, might have supported five cattle per acre. Well, out West, they needed... 10 acres per cow. Yes. So that's why they had these... Huge, long, long... You know, we still have it. That's right. still the West, isn't it? Right. The big, empty spaces that we expect to see. But one of the things almost all the Westerns have in them is the hero, the John Wayne, oh, the, yeah. the Glenn Ford, the Jimmy Stewart yep. out there being the hero. And then you've always got, like in the Sons of Katie Elder, the bad guy is George Kennedy. Who, uh, George Kennedy is the hired hand. But right. The, the guy who was really the, the guy who was running it all was the guy who was trying to become a corporation. That's right. Uh, to become the guy who controlled the water. That's right. Um, and so that tension... Uh, between the heroic and the avarice of uh, that you saw um, is in all um, throughout the whole genre of of westerns. The the um, in comparison to Little Big Man, you know, we're, now we're you know we're, we're, we've experienced the Vietnam War and we are rejecting society generally. And so you have a completely different take on the West. Um, that's a dramatic difference. I, when I think of the Westerns as a genre, I have, you know, the first generation where we're settling the land. And you've got, you know, uh, the, the, um, the conflicts are between how do you settle land? Do you settle them with cows or with sheep? You know, do you settle them with barbed wire or with cattle? And one yeah. of the prime lines back then was, I thought I smelt a sheep farmer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then you've got World War II and the, the, the violence, the romanticizing of violence, because we, we've just done some horrible thing, and so now it ha can't be that horrible because the cowboys shoot each other so readily. And what's really, what's really neat about some of them, and I'll give uh, the old original, uh, the th like 310 to Yuma with Glenn Ford. Mm -hmm. You look at... Uh, Three, three Godfathers with John Wayne. You look at some of these movies where the, where the quote, bad guy mm -hmm. is actually, like you say, the anti-hero. Yeah. And, and so many times by the end of that movie, he's changed his ways. He's had a change of heart. Redeemed somehow. He's redeemed himself, and he, hit, and he does the right thing. Right. He may be dead, but he did the right but thing. But he did the right thing. That's exactly <laughs> yes, right. He did right. the right thing. That's right. And you really see that in 310 to Yuma. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, the early uh, John Wayne 
uh, the stagecoach in particular uh, is that innocent bad guy. You know, he, he's a bad guy, but he's really not that bad, and he's taking himself to prison. You remember, he, you know, he's getting on the stagecoach because he's going where he was supposed to be going. Right. Um, and yet was, you know, the social outcast at the time who ends up being the most human of the whole group. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I'll tell you folks, if you haven't watched the original Stagecoach, and oh, if I yeah. remember, David, was that nineteen thirty eight? Yeah, I was just gonna look to make uh, sure I know. But there's a there's a scene when the stagecoach is going along and John Wayne flags down the stagecoach yep. and he's carrying his saddle and it shows him there and he's he's standing there and they did a, a good close up of him and he flips his rifle around hmm. and i'll tell you what just that shot right there is what made john wayne a star 1938 yeah um and and again as a youngster we we know him throughout his career but if you look at that movie you real you'll see john in early in his career right as a, and he had already been in the business uh, let's see, his first movie. Yeah, I think he was 29 or 30 exactly. in the stagecoach. He'd started his career in 1928, and right. that was 1938, so he'd been in the business for 10 years. What I thought was interesting, I looked into it a little bit and sort of preparing for this. Um, in 1930, he did four movies. In 1931, he did five. In 1932, he did seven. In 33, he did 10. Then he went back down to nine in 1934. But as he rose through his business of being a contract player in, in a number of these movies, uh, he, he rose to a point where he only needed to have do five or four or three. Or yeah, and he rose to the point. Eventually, he was only doing a couple of movies a year. Right, and he rose to the point of being the hero, the star, right. top billing. Right. And... Always the guy doing right. And and uh, the last movie he did with Jimmy Stewart and Ronnie Howard was The Shootist. Yes. And then not long after that, he passed away. The the, uh, the Shootist was where he, you know, again, a, a redemptive character, a character who had known what he had done in his career and was not romanticizing it at all. Right. J.B. Books. Yep. And he was walking around with his pillow, if you recall. Right, and it's because, and it's kind of uniquely uh, uh, paralleling his personal life. J.B. Books and the Shootist is dying of cancer. Yes, and that was what John was doing at the time. Right, and that's what he wanted to do, and that is go out with a bang. And all these uh, tough guys thought they were going to be the ones that take him out. But in the end, he did, and Ron Howard did. And none of the quote bad, bad guy, gun, yeah, yeah. the bad uh, the gun slingers, yeah. yeah, the really fast guys were able to to win that. But that was his last movie. And you know what's really neat about older movies too and westerns? If I remember, one of the very first movies to be shown commercially was The Great Train Robbery. Mm -hmm. That's that was, right. It was a silent film back in 190 something. I'd have mm -hmm. to look that one up. But it shows a gunfighter standing there pointing at the camera with his gun and firing the gun. And scaring everybody in the movie and theater. And scaring everybody in the theater. That's yep. exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So uh, the Western genre, the, the, uh, the West, the mythology of the West has always had an intrigue on the American, on the American public. The, um, they were doing this after uh, war, uh, the Civil War. So 
not only before the war did you have a general familiarity with going out and hunting in order to feed your family, but now you've got a whole population that had been familiarized and also um, uh, armed generally of uh, having been in the army one way, one side or the other. And so as you were out conquering the West, I bet you if you went back and looked at a number of historic photographs, unless you were a bad guy who was trying to show how, you know, big he was, nobody had their guns in front of them while they were taking the photograph. You know, right. uh, it, uh, and nor were they wearing tight pants and and leather vests. You know, the the <laughs> the the, uh, the picture that we have of a cowboy is created in Hollywood. Exactly, and and when you do see pictures of uh, the, the old historical pictures, maybe from the mid eighteen hundreds uh, mm-hmm. through nineteen hundred, and you do see the cowboys there with their gun on and they're holding their rifle, that's usually staged in a, in a Completely. photo gallery. In, Completely. Yeah. At a photographer's right. shop. He's on a dead horse with his, <laughs> with his six-shooter. Right. Well, the old adage is that um, God made all men and Colt made them equal. Right. Uh, but that, again, was part of the mythology of how you, cre- how you overcame the frictions that were in settling the West, how first you had to make sure that you weren't, um, uh, that you could rule a situation through your arms, whatever they were, whatever that situation was. I doubt if you needed to shoot a whole lot on your way between one, you know, uh, when you were moving the cows from X to Y and getting them onto the railroad so they could get to Chicago. I don't remember a whole lot of movies were based on, you know, sort of the, the the boredom that was involved in moving cows across the country. And, you know, what I've read, too, about the history of, of some of the bad guy cowboys, mm-hmm. uh, Wild Bill Hickok, mm-hmm. Johnny Harden, uh, Billy the Kid, is that the number of people that they supposedly killed is greatly exaggerated. Not only that, but they were actually minor characters in right. the drama that was going on. Right. The the, the old, uh, you know, the, the idea that you were going to go west and get wealthy, it was more logical if you were going to get wealthy from the west, you would stay in Chicago. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, st- and sell everybody out there the, what they needed in order to uh, That's go exactly west. right. And I think we've mentioned this before. That's actually what Wyatt Earp did when he was in his time in Alaska. He went to Nome during the gold rush. Mm-hmm. And he mined the miners. Yes. He sold them mining gear. <laughs> right. And for the couple of years he was in Nome, uh, from what I read about him, is he left Nome with his wife with about $40,000 without digging for gold a day in uh, his life. Or robbing a bank. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's the, uh, what is that movie that you've spoken of where uh, we're moving cattle to uh, uh, Whitehorse uh, or the Yukon? Oh, I just... Uh, Did I just stump you? You know, didn't I? You just stumped my, my poor brain. Oh, come on. Uh, Jimmy, D- no. Oh, it was... Uh, well, we're going to have to look that up here. We in the- will. Was we'll, it Henry we'll- Fonda or Jimmy, D- uh, Jimmy uh, Stewart? Jimmy Stewart. It was Jimmy Stewart yeah. with a bell on his saddle. Yeah. Okay. And I... Uh, 
It's not north to Alaska. It's no, no, else. that's John Wayne and Farley Granger. Exactly. That's exactly. the movie that got me wanted to move to Alaska when I was six years old and watched <laughs> that's it. That's pitiful, but it's okay. It's understandable. <laughs> but, but you know, uh, what, what was always neat about these, and I, and I shouldn't say neat, but the, but the old westerns, the themes were always just a couple of themes. The the good guy against the gunfighter, mm-hmm. or the cavalry against the Indians, mm-hmm. or the cowboys against the Indians, because they're going to try and steal their horses or steal their, their cattle, uh, which you can't blame them since we went in and took all the buffalo and killed them. Now they don't have anything to eat. Plus, we invaded their territory. Sure. And like I said, that's getting political. We don't want to do that. But that was the theme of so many Western movies. And then you also had the theme of, and uh, the best example of that is Shane. Yes. Brandon DeWilde uh, and Alan Ladd, where you've got the people that are out West, and all they want to do is make a new life for themselves. They're raising their crops, they're living, and they just want to eat, live, and eat and have a roof over their head. But then the cowboy comes along. Right. And sometimes the cowboy kills them. Sometimes the cowboy helps them. But also, the cowboy character was getting written out of the history of the country. You know, all of a sudden now, uh, we're, the railroad had had come, and you end up you you had uh, cows that had to be uh, moved to Tulsa because the railroad had gotten there, and right. and just about the time that you had cows being a economic rationale for the West, you hit oil. And the whole world changes. Sure. And and when you look at, as we were talking earlier today, when you looked at how the cowboys were driving their cattle, which there's a lot of movies about driving cattle. Red River is one of them. Sure. And it's a great John Wayne Montgomery yep. Cliff movie. Yep. Red River, that's a, that's a recommended watch if you like westerns. But they're driving these cattle, and they're lucky to move those cattle five, six miles a day. But yet they can keep them now. You got the railroads, and they can fill railroad cars full of cattle and move them at thirty-five miles an hour, and without losing any uh, any weight. That's you right. You know, the, the, there was no point in getting a skinny cow to the market. That's if right. You could avoid it. That's right. And there are so many movies that mm-hmm. that are related to driving cattle. Right. Again, uh, 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 we were talking about this earlier, but the economic imperative is always an interesting handle on something and so you um where where the early guys hollywood was seeing gene entry as simply a singing cowboy remember the, uh, what a character that was that talk about fiction uh you know the the, the early uh, we had already gotten to hollywood we'd created a movie industry uh we the trains were everywhere and yet we were romanticizing something that happened, what, 40, 50 years before. Yeah, what was always neat about the singing cowboy was they'd be going along, they're getting ready to get on their horse. Sure. And there might have been a little springboard there or something. They would, or they would jump up and put their, put their foot in the stirrup, and they'd jump up on the saddle, but they'd be sitting side saddle. And they immediately start riding, strumming the guitar, and singing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the um, I mean, that's 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 where John Wayne's career sort of um, started at that in that era of of uh, uh, romanticizing the whole idea of cowboy, uh, and then evolved into all of the various iterations that we can talk about 
Um, but you had Gene Autry, who you know wouldn't be understood without his guitar. Uh, Hopalong Cassidy, uh, William S. Hart, and Royal Roy and. Who the heck let Dale in? Roy and Dale and Trigger. Yeah, uh, but Roy and Dale Evans, who literally had a musical career uh, while they were doing their Western movie. And, and, and at that point, they allowed um, uh, automobiles into the scenario, and you, you had the West civilized, but still West. Still Western. You still had your cowboy boots on. And, and there wasn't any reason for Roy and Dale Evans to have anything to do with cows other than, you know, that current business. Singing, of, them, singing them to sleep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, Roy Rogers' real name is Leonard Sly. Uh, well, we, and, and then, of course, John was Marion, right? Yeah. yeah so. but, but, yeah, did, uh, you know, would... Uh, would a Western have been with top billing of Marion Michael Morrison been as good as John Wayne? Uh, we yeah, we know better. Yeah, but uh, but I'm just you know, <laughs> the, rip, ripping on this idea that the West was such a image in the collective culture that you could have um, Sky King be a Western, you know, exactly. with all the same characters, the the, the sidekick. The love interest, the the whole deal, and it's all done in a Cessna. All right, he's flying an airplane instead yeah. of riding a horse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a pretty darn uh, compelling uh, image, which speaks slightly back to the Marlboro Man. But the idea that we it, it took a particular character, which we still run into today, um, uh, that in order to conquer the West, and we are conquerors, uh, even though. We were talking about John Wayne's career and said, okay, don't watch The Conqueror, guys. Yeah, do not watch The Conqueror. John, <laughs> John Wayne plays Genghis Khan, and uh, it's one of the worst movies, not to mention they tried to make him up to look Asian. And, yes, you know, it's and all the bad Everything that you can think of about Hollywood that was wrong. Was in The Conqueror. Is, was in The Conqueror. Yeah, John, John Wayne's known primarily for Westerns. Or war, or war, one yeah. of the one or the other, and in the same year, yeah, uh, you know, he would make a western right next to you know Hiroshima. You know, he, he they they were uh, that the, the the industry understood the market, very you know, obviously, masterfully. Right. I mean, they were making the market and they were understanding the market at the same time. Sure. And for me, uh, it, it's it's a rather dark movie, but for me, still. The top of my list of westerns is John Wayne and the Searchers. Oh yeah, I know you like that one, and it makes me, you know, that's a scary movie as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's uh, it's got racist racist uh, oh, all overtones all well, over it. Yeah, but it's also got some comedy in it. Uh, you know, it's uh, John Wayne, Jeffrey Hunter, uh, Jeffrey Hunter. For you folks that don't know, he was uh, Captain Christopher Pike on the pilot episode of Star Trek. And uh, he died way too long, young. I think he had a brain aneurysm and died in his 30s. Uh, a great actor. Uh, but he was in that. Uh, it, was, it was such a good movie. Vera Miles is in it. Uh, you know, Ken Curtis was in it, the guy who played Festus on uh, uh, Gunsmoke. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just a great movie. Natalie Wood's in it. And it's it's... It's a dark movie. It is 
very racist against American Indians, uh, payback for this, payback for that, for stealing his niece. And even in the end there, uh, she is taken by Indians as a young girl, and he spends years and years and searching. years searching for her. And when he finds her, he wants to find her, and he actually wants to kill her because she's been turned into an Indian. And it ends with him deciding not to kill her. So it almost gives you a thought that he has redeemed himself that little bit. That little bit. Little bit, yeah. And not a lot, but and, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and that's where where you and I, I mean, I, I wouldn't spend a dime watching that movie again. oh i love the search i know you do i know you do. i love the search that was that was done the same year that he did the conqueror so to explain that oh my gosh explain that yeah. you know so so it, it has <laughs> there we are back to our our general theme about movies is that whether we're talking about westerns or any other genre the character of the script and the character of the underlying literature that may be the inspiration for the for the script means everything in a given in a given movie. I mean, the the, the idea that th- that could have been done, comp, you know, it simply meant that the conquerors are is really a lousy pro- portrayal of an idea. Sure, sure. And um, and so that yeah, it's it's uh, we're back to. Uh, a uh, show talking about cowboys that uh, ends up being about literature. Sure, and you know, one of the biggest movie series of all time that's made a ton of movie, which the very first one was basically a Western, and mm-hmm. that was Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Star, uh, it was a Western in disguise. It was a Western in outer space. It was that's the good right. guys against the bad guys. That's right, right. You know. The... Um, well, and, and all, George Lucas admits that. And and they were all about uh, uh, costumes, right? I mean, the costumes of Star Wars are half the show, and then and then you realize, oh wait a minute, Edith Head did the did the costumes for the Sons of Katie Elder. Sure, you know. So Edith Head, but if you don't know, uh, know her as a as a uh, her career, was a costume designer of the 50s and 60s, uh, did remarkable work in every movie that she was worked on and did everything from, you know, uh, a musical to a, a Western. Yeah, so, like a My Fair Lady. Exactly. It, 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 so, but if you want to go find out who in the world uh, sold Levi's to cowboys, it was Edith Head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, you know the the idea that you would walk around in tight pants and uh, and and a and a, uh, a shirt uh, with a vest on top and your gun slung down low, you know, is such a Hollywood creation. Sure, and as we were talking earlier, and I know uh, most of you folks out there have probably watched the Back to the Future series. Yep. Well, in Back to the Future, in the third one, when Marty goes back to the Wild West, where Doc has accidentally been sent to, he's back in, Marty's back in 1950 with the 1955 Doc Brown, and he's going to send him back to the Wild West, but he dresses Marty in this pants and this ridiculous fringed cowboy western shirt 
Well, he gets back to the West, and now old, the doc that's back in the Old West, he looks at him and he says, who dressed you in that outfit? Outfit, And Marty goes, you did. <laughs> that was your image because of what in, a cowboy was. Because in 1955, that 1955. Was, that was his image of what a cowboy was. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it's one of the, to me, it's one of the funniest ones. You did. And that's where you end up saying, oh, we're talking about cowboys and movies. And in fact, we're talking about material culture. We're talking about what, you know, why do we think this is what we should be dressing as? You know? Right. And you know what? Uh, that's another show, you know, on Alaska. We could talk boy, all that's about that. Boy, sure. <laughs> that's for sure. But, but another one of my favorites, and this is another John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart. It's hard not to talk about John Wayne when you're talking about Westerns. There's a lot of Western stars out there, though. Uh, yep. James Stewart, John Wayne. Henry Fonda. Glenn Ford. Henry Fonda. Lee Marvin. That's right. Lee Marvin. There's a bunch of great stars. Uh, Alan Ladd, uh, G- uh, Gary Cooper that did yep. great, great movies and Westerns, but it's hard not to talk about John Wayne when you're talking about Westerns. And another one of the best Westerns in my book that you can watch is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. That's right. And what a story for today, you know, where you have a hero that is sent to Washington, D.C. Right. A local hero. Right. And a, he, and a hero that was created out of a, a lie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He was he was created a hero out of a lie, and but what we were talking about cowboy dress back mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. the Lee Marvin character, Liberty Valance, the bad guy. That's right. He's running around in leather with leather vest with uh, 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 silver medallions on him, and, mm-hmm. and you know baubles hanging off of him with his with his short whip like cat of nine tails whip and the way he dresses that's not how they dressed no. but there again the we had an image we had an image of what a cowboy and was and you might have found one guy that did that but they weren't you know that's not the as, and as we get into the more modern uh, era of westerns we start getting more realistic uh, portrayals of the cult, of the uh, dress sure. because um, the the duster you know that long coat that you would wear heck yeah you were out there in the middle of nowhere with tumbleweed running up your butt and uh, and and it was cold right you know, or, okay so what what would you put on or you know? or or in little big man the soda pop kid yeah. <laughs> We're maybe referencing things now that our audience is going to have to go research. Well, David, you know, one of the things we do in some of these shows is at the bottom of the hour, we kind of take a break and play a song. And I've got a I've got a good one to play. If you think you want to hear a good the good song uh, that portrays from one of my other favorite Westerns called El Dorado with John Wayne, James Caan, Johnny Crawford. Uh, it's it's great. Ed Asner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a great movie. I love this movie too. It's in one of my top top five. So we're going to take a quick break, folks, and I'm going to play the theme song to the 1966 movie El Dorado. I hope you like it. We'll be back in a few minutes. Over 
mountains that reach from the sky to the moon. A man with a dream that will never let go keeps searching to find El Dorado. So ride, only ride to the end of the rainbow. Ride, only ride till you find El Dorado. The winds become bitter, the sky turns to gray. His body grows weary, he can't find his way. But he'll never turn back, though he's lost in the snow. Another star of that movie is uh, Robert Mitchum as the sheriff, who, uh, as a lot of Western movies also talk about, he uh, uh, falls for a girl and loses her, and then he turns into a drunk and is losing his life, and John Wayne comes in, and James Conn come in, and they, they save him, right? and they get him back on track, uh, but uh, El Dorado is a, is a wonderful, wonderful movie. Talk about being cast as a drunk. You know, I doubt if Dean Martin was as drunk as he ever was cast. No, I've read that. He, I've actually read he was a teetotaler. Yeah, and that it yeah. was all what an, an act. It was all an act. An act that went all the way to Las Vegas. For yeah, sakes. Yeah, but well, you know, folks, one of the one of the places to look and see about your favorite movies, uh, a great website is besides internetmoviedatabase.com We've talked about. Mm-hmm. You you got to take some of that information on there in the trivia section. With a little bit of grain of salt sometimes. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's the internet, right? That's where you get it's all, all your facts. It's all right, right? <laughs> well, I, and I say that, uh, and, I, and if I've mentioned this before, folks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it again. But you can go in there once you, you join up, and it's a free join, but you log in, and you can make trivia comments about movies you've watched. Well, uh, sometime back, a number of years back, I, I looked at the movie True Lies with Arnold and Jamie Lee Curtis, and yep. and you look at it and if in you, the keys down in, in florida yeah and if you remember in the movie arnold's flying a, a harrier jet mm-hmm. well somebody put in the trivia that how much arnold had to practice to be <laughs> able to fly the harrier jet well folks in true life arnold did not fly a harrier jet yeah. it was 
There was no practice. There was no practice. That's exactly right. So, but one of the best sites to, to look at is called the American Film Institute. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually study film, they preserve film, and they do that. And I'm going to read you here the, the, what the AFI thinks is the top 10 Westerns oh, good. of all time. Good. Uh, my favorite's number one. No. The Searchers is number one. High Noon is number two. Shane is number three. Unforgiven, 1992, number four. Red River, 1948, that's a good one. The Wild Bunch, mm-hmm. 1969. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, number seven. McCabe and Mrs. Miller, uh, that's with uh, 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 Warren Beatty. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised it got on the list. Yeah, that's a 1971 movie, Stagecoach. Yeah. And then the Jane Fonda, I think it's Jane Fonda movie, Cat Ballou. Oh, yes, Jane Fonda for yeah, sure. Uh, but Cat yeah. Ballou is, is in there. And, and that got that popular. It that's, was number 10. And, yeah. and you know, I'm, you know, Internet Movie Database, they, they determine how popular a movie is by the the people that look at that and, and log in and have an account and you give a movie X number of stars. Yeah. And and that's how they decide what the most popular movie that's sort is. of like sort of like believing the uh the Amazon, you know, star rating of a lot of that you have to take that with a very grain of salt. That's right. Because that's it's right. been created by the algorithm. Right. But uh but yeah, uh see now now for me uh, Red River deserves to be in there. The Searchers deserve to be in there. I I gotta agree with Butch Cassidy. Butch Cassidy's one Definitely. of my favorites. And again, modern, uh, shot in color, uh, very modern themes of uh, sure. of you know radical characters uh, re- rejecting society right, and a certain amount of humor. Yep. Yeah, yep, there's yeah, some all, good comp- all of those. The only, those. the only, the only again that was post Vietnam. That I right. strike a line, uh, you know, I struck a line before World War II, and then a line after Vietnam because they, the the whole genre sort of shifts dramatically in my own head when you when you see them in those three pieces. Yeah, and my only part of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid that that I didn't care for even as a kid when I when it came out mm-hmm. was that long scene when Paul Newman is riding Catherine Ross on the bicycle with raindrops keep falling on my head being yeah, sung in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> see that's why it was a sort of set in the West. Yeah. It, uh, John Marlboro man wasn't going to show up. Right. Okay. Right. The, that, the, nobody was going to sweep her off the the bicycle bar uh, handlebars there. Right. And back then, but that song wound up being like a top hit that year, you know. And I'm like, that's the. I usually fast forward through that part when I'm watching that movie now. You're still <laughs> looking, like, you're still looking for the Marlboro Man. Yeah, I'm still looking for the Marlboro Man. Yeah. But I, you know, and I think in that top ten list from AFI that uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance ought to be in there. Mm. Uh, as we were talking, the, the, uh, those are very modern themes. There. And you know, yeah. one of the one of the uh, trivia things about the Liberty Valance movie that that I've read and and document is you know there was a great actor in there called woody strode he was an african-american a great athlete and he wound up having the part he was pompey in that movie. oh yes i know pompey. and and, yep. and he was yep. he was john wayne's like manservant he was he was his sidekick he was his sidekick. he was right. you know the sidekick we were talking about you know where the heck did tonto come from right and and you had these 
these sidekicks that are, are allowed to be a foil for the main character. Right. And in many cases, a very strong relationship, a very, a very personal one where we had gone through hell together type stuff, you right. know, foxhole uh, relationships. Right. And Woody Strode, mm-hmm. see, he was, he was doing all his own stunts in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and he actually shamed John Wayne. How come you're not doing your own stunts? Mm. And they got into a little bit of machismo mm-hmm. going in there, and John Wayne wound up doing some of his own stunts because Woody was doing him. He's making fun of him. And, and John Wayne, uh, I think one, one scene, he damn near got himself killed. <laughs> trying to follow. <laughs> because he was trying to, he was trying to follow up with Woody Strode. And Woody Strode, another quick little trivia, if you remember the movie, obviously not a Western, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, and and they're presenting all this stuff to the great seti and you know and uh, charlton heston character comes in i give you ethiopia mm. and uh, the he, african he got that job woody strode was one of the ethiopians yeah. in in yeah. uh, the 10 commandments the, the, uh, making a living in hollywood has never been easy and um it gets harder and so, and easier depending on the the weather, so to speak. But but it is interesting to see a career like that come forward because you were able to uh, run alongside John Wayne or run alongside one of the other main main uh, stars and make a living for you know as long as you're able to keep yourself healthy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know what's what's always kind of odd too about some of these westerns is you've got. Indians or other bad guys chasing the stagecoach. The mm-hmm. stagecoach going madly. Hell out, hell out of leather. Hell yeah. out of leather. And these guys are on there with a six shooter. Right. And, and shooting people off their horse, you know. Yeah, which, which uh, you know, basically couldn't, could, could hardly ever happen. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's right. The, the uh, and the, the they had to disclaim the fact that no no horses were harmed during the shooting of this movie, but they had to come up with some amazing tricks in order to have somebody fall you know get shot off of their horse. Um, the 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 uh, technique of how to make a horse fall without hurting itself it was a was a, a phenomenal event in and of itself. I mean, if we had to make a movie about this fiction, which never happened more than, you know, half a dozen times. Sure, and one of the things they used to do is they used to have wires set up in particular places that would trip the horse. Yeah. And now... Uh, from what I've read, is now horses have to be trained to fall. Oh, sure, they are actually. No, no, exactly. the The modern, you know, the modern ethics are are taking, you know, are taking hold, as they should. But, um, you know, again, we're dealing with. Uh, all right, I, I, maybe somebody could uh, correct me, but I don't think you could survive a stagecoach race against, you know, a, through the West the way it's portrayed. There, there are races. You know, we still are racing coaches, and it's a sport in and of itself. But it doesn't look anything like. I mean, they're running around a course, in a stage, in a coach, sure, with a full, you know, like four, a team of four, and it's a dangerous thing, as it is today. You know, as portrayed today in the sport, and the oh, idea, sure. the idea that we were going to take a, a, you know, one of these stage coaches across the 
a two uh, what a two track you know across the west and being chased and going you know the the miles per hour that they were trying to portray is uh took a uh, some uh, a suspension of our, you know, belief in this stuff. Sure, and when you look at there again, we we're talking the mythology of uh, of Hollywood and the movies. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about even though they're I don't know if they're well. There were some old movies made, but the old Lone Ranger. Yeah, Lone Ranger. It's he's purely fictional. Tonto was purely fictional as his sidekick. Didn't kick. exist. Mm-hmm. Didn't exist. But the real Lone Ranger. A guy named Bass Reeves was born into slavery. He escaped. He was an African-American. And all the history shows that he was basically the model. The inspiration for. The inspiration for developing developing the Lone Ranger. That's right. But his name's Bass Reeves. And uh, he had a lot of skills. And he actually wound up working for a u.s marshal and he was so good at helping him that uh uh, you know catching bad guys that that's where the but that's where the model of uh, bass reeves and he died in 1910 born in 1838 Uh i think Uh died in 1910 Uh uh but you know so that's some of the stuff that people they just don't think about well, they didn't have to think about it. It wasn't presented to them. There was no way to know about it. it was, there was not a history that was going to be shared right. at that time. Uh, and yet, you know, there were guys out there uh, breaking laws and needing to be brought into a, a, a culture that didn't actually have the courts. Uh, what was it, Judge Roy Bean in speaking of the culture of the West? You ended. What was he? A law west of the Pecos, right? Is that correct? Um, where you end up, uh, you know, you were outside the long arm of the law, and it only occasionally caught up with you, right? And if it was even if it wasn't in accordance with the Constitution or the laws of the state or anything, the judge had the final say. Yep. If, if he hanging, said, hanging, uh, hanging judge Roy B. That's right. right. That's right. And it just popped into my head that other movie with Jimmy Stewart with the yeah. bell on Into the West. Okay. Into the West where he's driving cattle into the Yukon. Oh, good. During the, <laughs> into the West. Yeah. Okay. Into the West. That's worth looking up. Uh, yeah, it's a cute movie. Yeah. I, um, I didn't, I, I had just recently... Uh, joined Amazon Prime um, because, believe it or not, I am a student at the University of Alaska. And uh, all those who might come across this realize that there are student rates for joining the uh, the Prime. And so, heck yes, I'll take that. And I got to watch The Sons of Katie Elder last night because of it's on Prime as part of and so what I was thinking of is, is the, the people who are listening to this uh, have a way of finding what the heck we're talking about just by doing a search on things that you might already have in your, in, in your uh, uh, computer uh, or in your television. Um, 
So when you're looking up, you know, some of the stuff that we're talking about, boy, those movies are out there. In most cases, if not on YouTube for free, they're in Amazon Prime or one of your other services that sure. uh, allows you to go look at some of these, what now is, I'm afraid, ancient movies. Sure. And, right? uh, you know, I, I looked at joining uh, uh, Turner Classic Movies. Mm. Uh, but that still exists? Yeah, but it's it's expensive. Yeah. It's expensive more than I went up. So what I did was I joined uh, an online thing called Criterion oh. Channel. And that's like, I think it's like $7 a month. Okay. And all it plays is you want to you wanna watch a classic film no, noir? Mm-hmm. You want to watch uh, uh, an old Western? Right, right. Uh, they're there. They're there. They're there. They're there, yeah. I'll and tell it's you, a, it's an interesting world when we actually have to be our own curator. Uh, we, we don't have, you know, just the, the, the big, uh, networks to tell us what we're watching tonight. Sure. We get to watch. They don't, they don't tell us what to watch. We get to decide what we're going to watch. That's right. And, uh, and, you know, I'll, uh, we'll digress a little off the, off the Western, the movies, but, uh, you know, and I know a lot of our listeners out there probably remember this too, but David and I remember as kids where we only had three TV channels and they weren't on 24 hours a day. What is that? Well, again, uh, we're dealing with a, uh, a a progress within our culture. Right. That is progress. Right. Technology. Because remember, what, what did the sign-off symbol look like? Well, the sign-off every night, the sign-off every night was the... Uh, uh, the national anthem, and then it immediately went to a thing called the test pattern. Right, and in that middle of that test pattern was a big Indian head. <laughs> yes, was a big Let's Indian. Talk head. about cultural insensitivity, right. but it was a reference to the culture of the day. So and it and it was a chief because he's wearing yeah, a big headdress. That's right. So of something. So yeah, folks. So so when the the movie, uh, the TV channel shut off at night, played the national anthem, they went to a test pattern. And then, like, on Saturday mornings when I'd get up and watch cartoons, if you got up a little early, you'd go in and turn the it TV was still on, on, and the test pattern was still on. They hadn't come back onto, uh, they had not started broadcasting. Yeah, yet. and at 6 o'clock in the morning, the first but, thing that came on was Howdy Doody. And that's a Western, but there you are, back to a Western reference. What right. the heck was he wearing, remember? That's right. That'll be an interesting, yes, uh, see if we get anything on our email, because you can email this show, right? Sure. Uh, the um, uh, who the heck remembers what was what Howdy Doody wore? Yeah, he wore he wore a vest, a hat. He was a, a checkered he shirt. He was a cowboy. Yeah, he was a cowboy. He was a cowboy, just like Woody in Toy Story. Woody's yeah. the cowboy. Yeah, you know yeah. the cowboy. Cowboys have been a part of our culture for so long. And like I said, whether it's good or bad, I don't know. No, we're not making uh, we're not yeah. making judgments here. No, we're, we're, we're trying to explain. Uh, you know, where the heck did the Marlboro Man come but, from? You know, and if you remember back when we were kids in the in the 50s, mm-hmm. every little kid out there had toy cap guns that oh, looked yeah. like a Western six-shooter. We had our cowboy hats. Yep. We had our our fake uh, Davy Crockett. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the coon, best coonskin cap. The best Christmas present I'd ever got was uh, was a Davy Crockett hat. That was like that was the cool. Yeah, that okay. was the cool back but, then. But all right, let's not get too. Yeah, no, let's not reminisce too much. Well, yeah, we're, we're going to go back into. <laughs> we, we now have to dig this up and <laughs> and dust it off in order to yeah. have anybody remember it. 
Yeah. Well, when when we're talking about mythology, though, and folks, there's a, a the premise of uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance, shot Liberty Valance. He comes to this little town. Liberty Valance beats a tar out of him, and they go along. And Liberty Valance is going to kill him. And it's just I don't want to uh, tell you the whole story, but this long drawn out story, and. He's telling the story as he comes back. He's a U.S. senator now. He's an old man. Vera Miles' wife is an old lady. They come back to Shinbone, to the town, <laughs> and he's telling his story to the local newspaper, the newsman. Yes. And he's telling this story. And then, but the story as he was younger had a lot of untruth in it. And untruth in it and truth of what happened a little bit later before he became the senator well he's telling this story to the newsman and after it's over the newsman tears the story up and throws it into the stove right and james stewart is like well what are you doing he says sir he says that's the truth he says you always print the myth you're right. You always print the myth, and the myth was he shot Liberty Valance when he was younger, but he didn't. And it, the movie ends with him on the train going back across to, the back plains. Back to Washington. And the, and the conductor, he asked the conductor something, and the conductor goes, nothing's too good for the man who shot Liberty Valance. Right. He's, but he still, never, he's still drinking and eating on that, on that myth. That's right. Uh, and it doesn't appreciate it. I mean, it, it's not like he hasn't been a good man and a good lawyer right. and a good senator. We're not talking about some scumball that, that rode his way in on a lie. We're, we're dealing with uh, a, a, a set of circumstances which are, you know, where John Wayne got to be a hero and save the man's life. Now you have to go watch the movie. And the reason he's back in Shimbone is the John Wayne character dies he's coming back yes, for the funeral coming then, back for the funeral and then the whole story gets told mm -hmm. yeah and it, it it's uh it's a wonderful wonderful movie and and this goes back to to my idea that that black and white movies it's black hmm. and white should always be kept black and white and there ought to be a national law that prevents movies from being colorized well and, yeah, i understand your position on that but but the the man who shot liberty Valance would be a totally different movie if it was in color Right. It was shot with the lighting that was required for, right. for black and white. It was it was shot with the camera angles. All of the aspects of having to do art within a limited palette. And, right. And, and when you change that palette, you're changing the art. And there may, may make some things more popular. But uh, we're dealing with film as an art form in most cases, and if you and, and, a, and a reflection of its of its culture of that moment in time, in the same way you would a painting in a, an art gallery. Sure. Um, so and if you yeah, you don't it, mess around with it. Yeah, and if you and if you look at that movie, the vast majority of it takes place at night. Yeah. You know, dark. It's dark. They're always. I can't in a, think of a light well, other than coming in on the train. Yeah. Um, it's all yeah. either indoors or dark. Right. And, and one of the things, too, that uh, you can understand because of the, the finances of making a, a movie back then. But one of the things that's always tough to see is when they're supposed to be, it's supposed to be nighttime, but they're riding along <laughs> and they use the nighttime filter on the camera. And you can obviously tell that it's daylight. Yeah. But they well, use a special filter that makes it look dark. 
and it's not dark. You can still you can see that it's not dark. I, there's there are times in Star Wars where you can say, "Hey, wait a minute." There's nothing in space that requires a wing. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> There's absolutely, you know, yeah. physics does not does not work with you know winged objects when right. you're when you're in a vacuum. And, and you know, folks, one of the things uh, one of the things we didn't talk talk about and they're more of a from a modern standpoint but uh, there's also some comedy westerns oh yeah you know and there's, yeah there's well, a lot of one of the last you know it, um well blazing saddles blazing saddles is what i was trying to remember yeah, and, blazing and there you are there you have an example as i recall uh, it's a wonderful breaking of the fourth wall yeah, it's just I mean that is that that's half the fun of it. Now think about that: a western with a Busby Berkeley scene. Right. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Again, our listeners may not know what the heck I just said. Who the hell is Busby Berkeley? But uh, you need to look it up. But, <laughs> but yeah, really the funny. the western the western genre it's it's uh, well and it's a uh, it's a it's the retelling of American history to the best of the ability of Hollywood yeah. to make it interesting. At that time. At and that sell time. tickets. And, and sell, sell tickets, tickets to people. And you remember way back before everybody and their brother, one of the ways they got people into the movies too was one of the only places in town that was air conditioned yes, was the movie theater. Yep. Yeah, it sold, that sold tickets in and of itself. Absolutely and, it did. And you had you had a feature film, you had a B film. You know, those gold old B movies we can talk about. They they started out being B and they stayed stayed B and they were the second you know, after the intermission and after the uh, the movie tone. And you had newsreels, you had yeah, it was a place movie. to hang out for a while when it was ninety eight in New York That's City right. and That's right. Ninety percent humanity. Yep. No kidding, no kidding. It was a it was a place to go. But yeah, Westerns, they're they're great. And one of my favorite scenes too, and one of the things they look at too is when you look at mistakes in movies, like Little Big Man, there was mm-hmm. a lot of controversy in Little Big Man when it first came out from the quote experts. Mm-hmm. All the Indians in Little Big Man they have their blankets over their horses, but you can see the saddles underneath them. Oh. <laughs> you know, and the right. The, what do you call those? Those are not. Those aren't Easter eggs. They're not. They're they're anachronisms. Anachronisms. Kind of an anachronism. Within it, yeah, and, yeah. It's interesting. Within the fun of watching a movie, you have Easter eggs, and you can explain what that is. Yeah. And and then you've got uh, incontinuity, uh, lack of continuity. Right. Um, and uh, like a certain, like in a western, some guy might be using a certain rifle that wasn't invented. That wasn't yet. invented yet. Yep. Then you yep. know, but but. Most most yep. people, most people don't know that. No, you know. So, oh, are we done? We're getting close. Oh shoot! Yeah, this uh, this music here, folks. Uh, some of you older folks uh, that listen to us might recognize this as the theme song to the Magnificent Seven, which is a Japanese film. Which right? is a Japanese film. It was uh, <laughs> it was based on. Uh, uh, based on Seven Samurai by uh, Akira Kurosawa. Exactly. There's a lot of lot of films based on other people's films, uh, foreign films, that were in fact changed to the Again, to the U.S. Fine, fine literature put on. Well, folks, we'd really like to thank you for listening in today. Our show about westerns. David and I 
We love the movies and we particularly love Westerns. I know I do, and I know David does too. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I would sure recommend that you watch some of these movies like the one the theme song's playing now, The Magnificent Seven, with the likes of Ewell Brenner, Eli Wallach, The King of Cool, Steve McQueen, Robert Vaughn, James Coburn. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's been around for a long time, and it's one of the classics. Uh, But we thank you again for listening, uh, and we hope you come back with us in the month of March. And we'll be talking about some more movies. This is listener-supported public radio for the Central Kenai Peninsula, KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna. We'll finish out with a little bit of the Magnificent Seven theme. 